However, today's question is who do you love? And I'm going to ask uh, Melissa to come up and uh, read you something which I'll also put on the screen. What this is, uh, I, I remembered a fragment of, of this and I looked it up on the internet. It's actually from an address that George W. Bush gave at Concordia University in 2005. And these words are very interesting and I'm gonna ask you some questions about this. But, but Melissa, is, is that on? Okay, and uh, here is what Melissa's going to say. Many of us find that there is much more to life than getting and keeping. True fulfillment comes with the responsibilities we assume. To care for our families and to love a neighbor as we want to be loved ourselves. This is more than a familiar saying. It is the foundation of a meaningful life. A person shows his or her character in kindness and charity, and what is true in our lives is also true in the life of our nation. You can fairly judge the character of society by how it treats the weak, the vulnerable, the most easily forgotten. Our own country at its best strives to be compassionate, and this isn't easy. Compassion is not merely a vague feeling of empathy, it is a demanding virtue. It involves action and effort and deep conviction. A conviction is old as scripture and present at the founding of our country. We believe that everyone has a place and a purpose in this world, that every life matters, that no insignificant person was ever born. And here's that phrase that I illumined in the midst of this address. You can fairly judge the character of society by how it treats the weak, the vulnerable, and the most easily forgotten. So we're going to be looking at two questions to begin with. Number one, is George Bush right? And number two, does God judge us by these same criteria? Sorry, that's not what we want. Just a minute. Hmm. It's funny to go backwards with this thing. There, are we going backwards? That's it, we're going backwards. You can fairly judge the character of a society by how it treats <laughs> the weak, the vulnerable, and the most easily forgotten. Is that true? Yes. And does God think this way? Yes. That's the question yes. we're looking at. Now, I want to say that what we're looking at from today's Torah reading and passages associated with it, uh, it's demanding. As, as George Bush said, it's demanding. And God... You know, we've all heard, or some of us have heard, that God comes to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So what, what I'm going to share with you today is uh, it makes some demands upon us. Your uh, task is to decide whether it's true. If it's not true, then ignore 
what I'm going to share. But if it's true, then we have work to do. So let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence with us today. Not something we deserved. It's not, uh, it's not a reward for something we've done. It's just an overflow of your kindness. But it seems, oh God, that you mean for your kindness to overflow to other people as well. And you mean for us to be the repositories of that kindness, reflecting your kindness to them, the kind of kindness you've shown to us. So you love having, you love having us as your children, but you want us to be grown-up children. So help us to grow today. We ask in Yeshua's name. Amen. Okay, now we'll proceed. Here, I'm going to give you another passage from today's very rich parasha. And to take a look at what it says. This is at the end of chapter 22 of Exodus. You must neither wrong nor oppress a foreigner living among you. For you yourselves are foreigners in the land of Egypt. You are not to abuse any widow or orphan. If you do abuse them in any way and they cry out to me, I will certainly heed their cry. My anger will burn and I will kill you with the sword. Your own wives will be widows and your children fatherless. Is that strong language? If you loan money to one of my people who is poor, you're not to deal with him as you would a creditor, and you are not to charge him interest. If you take your neighbor's coat as collateral, you ought to restore it to him by sundown because it is his only garment. He needs, to wrap it, he needs it to wrap his body. What else does he have in which to sleep? Moreover, if he cries out to me, I will listen because I am compassionate. So, what do these four categories of people that I illumined from today's Torah reading, what do they have in common? The foreigner, some translations say the stranger, the gare, the orphan, the widow, and the poor. Think about it for a moment. What do they have in common? Let it sink in. Steve, what is it? They are all extremely vulnerable. They're all extremely vulnerable. They are, as a matter of fact, they are the stereotypical vulnerable people in Scripture. The New Testament as well. Yaakov, James, Yeshua's brother. When he says, when he talks about true piety, he says true religion and pure before the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself from being stained by the world. He also says in that, in that letter, he says, you know, if a rich man comes in to your assembly and you say, hey, have a seat of honor, and a poor man comes in and you say, uh, sit, sit, up, sit somewhere in the back, he says, aren't you making a distinction that God doesn't make? So the same values... Uh, this is not based on just a few random verses. 
this is core stuff. And as we read it, I was struck anew with the, the strength of the language. If you don't do this, I'll, 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 I'll kill you. And I'll make your wives widows and your children orphans. That's, that's very, very potent. So, what does God forbid us to do with regard to the most vulnerable? How, how would you summarize it? What does he forbid us to do? It's very simple. Take advantage, huh? Take advantage of them. Take advantage of them? And what, what else? Take, take advantage of them is an excellent answer, by the way. What else? Anybody? What is it, Eric? Ignore them. Ignore them, exactly. Don't victimize them. And don't ignore them. What does go? Okay, sorry. Let's go back. And what does God demand of us with regard to the most vulnerable? Okay, he forbids us to victimize them and to ignore them. What does he expect us to do? In general terms, what? This is not rocket science. Somebody raise your hand because I, uh, yes. We're supposed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Yeah, but is that love, we're going to see that that love is not a feeling, you know? James says, as a matter of fact, if you say to your brother, God bless you, and you don't give him clothes, uh, and you, you say, be, be warmed and be filled, and you don't give him any clothes, and you don't feed him, what good is that? We, we, we tend to talk about love, uh, but love is not a feeling. It's something else. So my question is, Scripture's question, God's question, is what does he expect us to do for these people? You're right to love them, but let's unpack that a little bit. Care for them. Uh, Linda? Love in action, care for them, feed them, include them in social things. Take loving action, care for them, care feed for them. Care for them, feed them, include them in, in you know, your social life, uh, you know, interact with them. You don't let them to be perennially marginalized or perennially, perennially uh, kind of out of focus. Uh, and, and meet their, uh, we're supposed to, uh, if, if we're not supposed to ignore them, then the opposite of that, we're supposed to notice them and pay attention to them. We're supposed to see them. See them. And if we're not supposed to victimize them, then the opposite of that is we're supposed to care for them. Okay. And obviously, you could spend a, we could spend a lifetime unpacking how that looks. But this is what we're getting here. So let's go on. There are two inseparable issues that you cannot and ought not and God does not separate. Loving God and loving people, they, they are not separable. What God has joined together let no man put asunder. Uh, uh, I, could, I could look just for a minute, you know, we'll look at some texts later on, you know. Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those two are meant to go together. So let's go on. 
This shows up in our focus today. I want to look at one particular aspect of needy persons, orphans, widows, the poor, and the stranger or the foreigner. I want to concentrate on the foreigner today. And I'll be honest with you, it's because I see a, 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 I'm not telling, I'm not telling us, I'm not making um, legislation about what to do about, about uh, illegal aliens. But I, I will say that in my, in my roaming around Facebook, which I should stop doing because it's bad for my heart, I find such apathy and hostility to these people as a class. I want you to know, you know, uh, Jews have never been treated well as aliens. Uh, we, one of the reasons we were persecuted and killed and victimized is because we were always looked upon as outsiders. We were always looked upon as foreigners. And it's very unbecoming. I'm not telling you what we ought to do, but when the response to people who are vulnerable and in need is hostility and apathy, call me political. I'm trying to be prophetic. It's wrong. What we're going to do about it, I'm not telling you. But to be hostile and apathetic is wrong. So we're looking at what God says here. He has a, he has a tendency to meddle. Uh, uh, and here he goes. Just a little bit. He says, if a foreigner stays with you in your land, do not do him wrong. Rather, treat the foreigner staying with you like the native born among you. You ought to love him like yourself. For you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. You know, we Jews. Uh, my, my great aunt from, Pol from Austria-Hungary, later became Ukraine, she came to America as an illegal alien. She came in through Canada because um, FDR had, had shut down the quota on Jews. If she had not come, she would have died like the other 3,000 Jews of Yavorov, the town my father came from, who were all wiped out by their neighbors. So, uh, we Jews, he says, we, God, God, God says, not the rabbi says, God says, uh, you know what it is to be a stranger. You know what it is to be persecuted. So, don't repeat, don't repeat the, uh, the, the offense. Okay, so, you ought to love him as yourself, for you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. He goes on. For Adonai, your God, is a God of gods, a Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who has no favorites and accepts no bribes. He secures justice for the orphan and the widow. He loves the foreigner, and he's talking about taking care of the foreigner. He's not talking about God's got warm fuzzies. He is committed to the well-being of the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, you are to love the foreigner, meaning giving him food and clothing, taking care of him like God takes care of the foreigner. Why? For you are foreigners in the land of Egypt. So God is saying, above all, you, my people, you should get this. Uh, so... Sephardic rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, known as uh, uh, Nachmanides, comments on this. And I'm, uh, if you'll give me a moment, I'm going to find uh, 
what he says. Here it is. He's got some interesting comments on these texts. Bear with me while I read it to you, okay? The correct interpretation appears to me to be that he is saying, do not wrong a stranger or oppress him, thinking as you might that none can deliver him out of your hand. For you know that you were strangers in the land of Egypt, and I saw the oppression with which the Egyptian oppressed you, and I avenged your cause on them, because I beheld the tears of such who are because I behold the tears of such who are oppressed and have no comforter. Likewise, you shall not afflict the widow and the orphan, for I will hear their cry. For all these people do not rely on themselves, but trust in me. And another verse he added another reason. He said, For you know what it feels like to be a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. That is to say, you know that every stranger feels depressed and is always sighing and crying and his eyes are always directed towards God. Therefore, he will have mercy upon him even as he showed mercy to you. And likewise, he has mercy on all who are oppressed. According to Nachmanides, the command has two dimensions. The first is the relative powerlessness of the stranger. He or she is not surrounded by friends, by family, by neighbors, a community that is ready to come to his defense. Therefore, the Torah warns against wronging them because God has made himself to be the protector of those who have no one else to protect them. This is the political dimension of the command. The second reason is the psychological vulnerability of the stranger. The stranger is the one who lives outside the normal securities of home and belonging. He or she is, or feels, alone. And throughout the Torah, God is especially sensitive to the sigh of the oppressed, the feelings of the rejected, and the cry of the unheard. So, I'll ask you some questions. Were you ever a stranger in any context? I'm not just talking about immigrant strangers. Were you a stranger in a school, a new kid in a school? Were you a new person in a neighborhood? Were you a stranger at a job? Uh, Think about times when you were a stranger. Were you treated well? Were there ways in which you were treated poorly? I read a story about Stephen Carter, who's... uh, uh, a law professor at Stanford, a black man, his family moved into a white neighborhood. When he was a child, he was sitting on the stoop, uh, on, on, on the front step of his, uh, not a stoop, that's, that's Stuart the New York Jew boy speaking. Uh, you don't have stoops, you have porches. He was sitting, he was sitting uh, uh, in front of his house and wondering, are we going to be received here? Because they were, they were like the only black people in the neighborhood. And then a Jewish woman from across the street came across the street. And she said, welcome to the neighborhood. She brought, she brought them food. She welcomed them. He never forgot it. You know, there's tremendous, the, uh, in my myopic view, one of the most powerful things in human life 
is unexpected kindness. We all have the opportunity to do this every day, to show people unexpected kindness. There's nothing more powerful in terms of human interaction than unexpected kindness. And it costs you nothing. So, what did you learn that should influence how you treat strangers and other vulnerable people in the American context? Learn from your experience. Learn from the experience of the children of Israel. Don't learn from the pulse of today's political climate, which is so contaminated by acrimony and selfishness and indifference. I've, that's what Torah is coming to say to us now. Remember, Adonai, your God, is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God, who has no favorites and accepts no bribes. He secures justice for the orphan and the widow. He loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. Notice, justice, food, clothing, the things these people desperately need. Therefore, you are to love the foreigner, since you are foreigners in the land of Egypt. Love is not a feeling, as I said earlier. Love has hands and feet. Love goes to people. Love helps people. It is not a feeling. Why do I say that? Because sometimes we comfort ourselves with, with, with the warm fuzzies we have. Your warm fuzzies don't do that person any good whatsoever. That's what James says. So you have warm, warm fuzzies? Be blessed. Be warmed and be filled. If you don't give him what he needs, what good does it do him? So love has hands and feet. Love of people and love of God are inseparable. I said that earlier. I say it again. Here's a few more evidences. If a person does not love his brother whom he has seen, then he cannot love God whom he has not seen. So don't tell me you love God if you're indifferent to the needy people around you. Don't, you can tell me. That's all right. Don't, try telling that to God. He doesn't buy it. Neither should you. You're to love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the greatest and most important mitzvah. A second is similar to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Torah and the prophets are dependent on these two mitzvot. These are the pivots of all, of all Torah. And they are joined together. Don't separate them. So this week, let's show our love to God. Now, I want to correct that. This week, the week after this, the week after that, every day for the rest of our lives, let's show our love by being helpful and responsive and aware of the weak, the vulnerable, and the most easily forgotten. Now I want to talk about sheep and goats, and I'm going to ask Kazriel Ben David to come up. I want you to listen to this passage from Matthew 25. When, this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. Start, start again. Everybody <clears throat> tune in. Please go ahead. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, accompanied by all the angels, he will sit on his glorious throne. 
All the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate people from one from another, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. The sheep he will place at his right hand, and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you whom my father has blessed, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the founding of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you made me your guest. I needed clothes, and you provided them. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the people who have done what God wants will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and make you our guest, or needing clothes and provide them? When did we see you sick in prison and visit you? This king will say to them, Yes, I tell you that whether you did these things for one of the least important of these brothers of mine, you did them for me. Then he will also speak to those on his left, saying, Get away from me, you who are accursed. Go off and into the fire prepared for the adversary and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. Thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. A stranger, and you did not welcome me. Needing clothes, and you did not give them to me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they too will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, needing clothes, sick in prison, and not take care of you? And he will answer them, Yes, I tell you that whenever you refuse, refuse to do this for the least important of these people, you refuse to do it for me. They will go off to eternal punishment. But those who have done what God wants will go to eternal life. Please stand and let's sing this song, which we skipped over. Song number song number nine. How shall I come before the Lord and bow in worship? Walking humbly 
with the Lord your God, doing justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with the Lord your God. We come now to the Olenu. It's on page 93, Canto 